I'm Mick Torres. I'm Ashley Argoda. And, and we are Mismo. Today, we answer one of the questions we ask all of our guests. What's the closest you've ever come to quitting? Oh. Or not quitting. Who knows? Big question. We're both going to answer it. And we're going to discuss a few quotes from a David Mamet book. Yeah, I didn't really quite agree with some of those quotes. So this, this one's real interesting. Hot takes. Enjoy. So we ask basically every guest, what is the closest you've ever come to quitting? Yes, we do. We've had a wide variety of answers. Mm -hmm. A lot of people like to say, basically, they would never quit. Yes, was it Ben Giroux who said, you can't quit who you are? Yeah. Loved that one. I loved that too. I agree. And it was Peter Allen Vogt who said, every single day yeah. <laughs> is the closest I've ever come to quit. Yes. <laughs> Which I think is maybe the most honest answer we've had. Absolutely. People don't like to think there's any scenario in which they would quit. Right. And I don't like to either. No, neither do I. I think that still, but... Well, so today we're going to talk about quitting or not quitting. Quitting or not quitting. That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> to quit or not quit. <laughs> What does it mean to quit? In terms of like being an actor? Acting, yeah. I don't know. Does it count as quitting being an actor if you still work behind the scenes? Like if you still want to direct or produce or write? Or is quitting a hard stop to anything show business-like? Hmm. Good question. Could you take a few years to go behind the camera and learn some new skills and then come back to acting? Come is out of retirement. Quitting? Come out of retirement. Yeah. We're so obsessed with The Last Dance right now. Are you thinking about Michael Jordan coming out of retirement? Yes, Because he did am. it twice. I am. I am. I wanted Kobe Bryant to come out of retirement so badly. How many times when the Lakers signed LeBron did I tell you, how cool would it be if it was LeBron and Kobe? More days than not, you talked about it. More days than not. I have a problem. Anyway. Would firing your agent or manager because you're sick of auditions, be it. I actually met a guy who, he, he had a couple of kids now, and he, I believe he let his representation go because he was getting to the point where auditions were just more work than they were, like he wasn't even getting excited to have an audition. Right. It was more of a burden. Oh, I have to drive out to wherever I have to go, and you know, because he's got kids. One of my commercial teachers talked about having kids. He said, I'm paraphrasing, but basically, you know, people come out to LA with these big dreams and then at some point they get a little bit older and they start to think, I'd really like to have a family and that starts to sound more appealing and they settle down. And he was talking about it in a way of you start your family and that's the end for you. Right. I also have had people tell me that if you have a side hustle or if you have a plan B, then you're not serious about being an actor. Oh, that's fantastic that you brought that up. I have three quotes from a book that I reacted very strongly to. Okay. And I think you'll see why. Okay. You haven't heard them before, but I want to read them to you. Mm -hmm. We'll go one at a time, and then we'll just kind of react and talk sure. about them. Yeah. So that leads me right into the first quote I want to talk to you <laughs> You're about. You're welcome for the segue. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the book is called True and False by David Mamet. David Mamet, very controversial writer, but I actually really like him. 
I like his writing at least. Here we go. Those with, quote, something to fall back on, invariably fall back on it. They intended to all along. That is why they provided themselves with it. Mm. You can imagine how I, as a personal trainer, reacted to said quote. How do you react to it? I don't think that's true. Is that why the book is called True and False? <laughs> <laughs> because that one was false and you're just supposed to check? <laughs> <laughs> if you think it's true or false. <laughs> I just think having something to fall back on doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to go for what you want. Protecting yourself doesn't mean that you're not going to go for the big dream. You still have to protect yourself. You're a human being. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Generally, my impression of the book was that it was very idealistic. Right. And very one-sided. And not leaving room for all of the gray. Very black and white type of a book. I feel like, I mean, unless you have the money like a ton of money to support yourself, mm -hmm. unless you come from a ton of money, then you need to have a backup plan or a side hustle. Like you have to have a contingency plan here. I think so too. I also think that doesn't hurt you necessarily as an actor. No. If you do come from a lot of money, that's one thing that allows you to pour yourself completely into it. Right. And I have some friends who were able to do that. And some of those people have been successful and some of those people have not. Yeah. Just like friends who had no money, some have been successful, some have not. Having to work a job makes you more able to relate to more roles. Jenna Fisher in An Actor's Life said she, I think she worked at a temp agency and she was a receptionist for so long. Mm -hmm. And what did she do in the office? That's right. She was the receptionist. Yeah. And she says, you know, she drew from her experience doing that to do that role. I don't think it's a bad idea to have something to fall back on. I went to school for something completely outside of acting. Right. Knowing full well that like, hey, if this, if acting doesn't work out for me after I, you know, I was really successful as a teenager and if it doesn't work out for me when I'm an adult, great. I have something I love and I'm going to fall back on it. But of course, I was going to go for the big goal. I was going to, my plan is still to be an actor for the rest of my life but to know that like all right cool if this doesn't bring me joy anymore it's not even if like I can't make money off of it anymore you know what I mean mm -hmm. if it simply doesn't make me happy anymore then I just don't see the harm in having other things to fall back on yeah do you agree I absolutely agree and yeah. going back to what you said about Jenna Fisher I hope I get to audition to play a personal trainer on a sitcom or a movie someday. Totally. That would be amazing. I would love to play a personal trainer. Yeah. That would be so fun. Yeah. And then what you said about bringing you joy. The last couple of times I've done theater, I have not felt very joyful. Right. I have decided to take an extended break from theater. I can't believe you're making this public, Mick. An extended break. Wow. I'm tired of it. You are. I want to only focus on film and TV. Great. I'm kind of obsessed with time. And I think the amount of time the theater takes up in rehearsal, it just drives me crazy. And unless I'm in an absolutely dream role, play that I love to do, the time is not worth it. I'm, I don't feel like I'm quitting, but it, it's, a, it's a pulling back. Yeah. It's a 
selecting. I quit improv a few years ago. And you feel great about that. I've not looked back with any regrets. No. But I am so grateful for all the lessons that I learned from taking classes at UCB, a few at Groundlings, performing around LA. It's the first performance I ever saw you do. It is. I had a good run with improv. It was fun. I don't know. I reached a point where I said, I learned all of the lessons I want to learn from this, and I'm going to apply them to other things. Yeah. That's how I feel about theater right now. Totally. And you and I have discussed that, like, unless something really incredible comes along, unless it's a dream role, unless it's a, a company you've been dying to work for, it's just not going to happen. What I'm kind of feeling like, in L.A. at least, is the theaters I'm dying to work for don't really want to see you unless you have a couple of film and TV credits. Mm-hmm. Does that seem fair for me to say? I definitely think it gets your foot a little bit more in the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked about this. I think we talked about it in the social media episode. You said there's no harm in in wanting to hire someone with a little bit of a bigger following because it's free marketing. And with something like LA Theater, they don't have a lot of money for like set aside to promote a show. So it's kind of built in marketing, like you said. Mm-hmm. If you hire somebody who has a couple of TV film credits or who has a little bit of a following so that people will come to the show. So I think it's totally fair to say that, especially in L.A. theater, for sure. Oh, what a lovely segue that gives us into our next quote from David Mamet. Okay. Quote, if you want to be in the theater, go into the theater. If you want to have made a valiant effort to go into the theater before you go into real estate or law school or marry wealth, then perhaps you should stay in school. What? Isn't he ruthless? Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> I feel attacked. He, he's very abrasive. This just feels very like all or nothing black and white. I know. We've talked about this with other guests. I just feel like wanting to have your whole pie chart of life filled out with other things other than acting right. is not a bad thing. No. He is like the Kanye West of theater <laughs> hating the idea of going to college. Yeah, I just... Wow. Yeah, it got me fired up too. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I feel like I should apologize for him to going to school for nursing. Like... Sorry. I think he specifically is talking about going to school to study theater. And it's a quote that I bring up because we've talked to so many people on our podcast who we respect so much who have gone to some nice esteemed theater schools. Yeah. And and I think I've made this clear in, in talking about it. There's nothing wrong with going to school for a theater. Right. My issue comes from just watching these schools tell these kids no when they want to audition for theater outside of school, when they want to audition for projects that are happening right now. In all of the episodes, all of the data we've collected, it's been so valuable for me talking to all these people about their college experience and studying theater because, I mean, you know, Tina Fey kind of jokes about like having a theater degree as being sort of a useless degree, but then also she's Tina Fey. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who's that? I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It, that has been the one consistent thing that we seem to disagree with the colleges on is let your students work 
yeah. while they're in school if they are getting opportunities to work. Yes. I feel the same way about collegiate athletes. They should be getting some money for yeah. their jerseys that are selling, mm-hmm. but that's for a different podcast at a different time. Be happy to talk about that on a <laughs> we'll separate be happy to platform. Talk about any sports you'd like, <laughs> please write us. <laughs> we'll talk about it forever. Eventually, we'll do either a show or a podcast that's sports. Just all say, sports. Why don't we have that podcast, man? If you're going to be with me for the rest of your life, eventually we'll do it. I'm Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. But it's not me, Smo. No. We're it's holding just... back from talking about sports. Me, <laughs> <Mismo> Smo sports. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back to Mr. Mammoth's quote here. Wow, that makes me angry. The other thing that he says is, before you go into real estate or law school or marry wealth, the point he's making is you're going to go for theater for a while and you're either go into the theater, just do it, go all the way in, and understand the lifestyle that you're getting into. You're not going to be rich, likely. Or you're going to want money. Or go to school... (laughs) Give it a valiant effort. That's so condescending. Yeah. The way he says it. And then go into something a little more reliable and predictable. Yeah. When I say I don't want to do just any old theater for a while and I want to focus on training because honestly I think training has just been so good to me. I have to look at my life and analyze what has worked and what has not worked. And right. Training has been incredible for me yeah i love theater but we heard trent mills in his episode who is one of the best theater actors i know in la would you say that we bring up trent more than any other guest we've had on me we bring up trent a lot trent and if you go back and listen to that episode all we're basically doing is complimenting the guy i mean we love him so much have we made it not just abundantly apparent how much we like trent mills (laughs) (laughs) big fan Biggest fan, really. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Don't be. He loves it. I hope I hope he still listens. Me too. <laughs> You're not saying no to theater. You are just being picky because there are some projects that can drain I your soul. Don't know how to say no to this. <laughs> I. <laughs> exactly. But I'm going to I'm going to try to say no. I'm going to say no Selective. sometimes. Yeah. So far, I've, I, have I ever said no to a role in theater? I don't know. Have you? Have you said no to roles? I don't think I've said no to a role. I kind of want to because I kind of feel like it would be very empowering to just reach a point where I'm saying, I'm going to be a little more selective now. I think I've said no to roles, but I don't think they've been anything of like of note they haven't been anything huge you know what i mean well sure because <laughs> the, the huge things of note are what you say yes to but yeah but have yeah, you said no to little things i think so that's good i think so that i can remember yes because they just don't feel like it's kind of like what you're feeling you want to make sure it's going to be worth your time and sometimes you just know it's not going to be and it's nice to say no to something or just politely decline because you know it's going to be good for you. doesn't mean I love theater any less. doesn't mean I love my job any less. But you do have to maintain your sanity doing this, so. The theater, we don't do for money because yeah. it pays so little. 
Yeah, we do it for love. But that's my issue, is if I say yes to a theater job, that's just like an okay play. Yeah. I don't love it. I, I get into rehearsal. It's taking up all of my time. It's holding me back from taking on a couple extra clients at the gym or potentially writing or pursuing some film TV things. Yeah. It's stressing me out. It's taking up my time. It's costing me sleep. Yeah. And I'm just not trying to do roles that aren't absolutely amazing roles in theater. Yeah, when it's for something that you're stoked about, though, you know, you'd do anything for the project. <laughs> I mean, you saw me during Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. I hardly slept, but I didn't care. You were so tired. Your show, I mean, it was such a long, just a long show, like hour-wise. <laughs> it was just a long show. It was an hour-long pre-show, and then it was about a two-and-a-half-hour show. Yeah, and luckily you weren't in the pre-show, but you still had to be there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. when you were in the show, you were in almost every single scene. So it was so draining for you. You had shows four times a week, three times a week? Four. Four times a week and then you worked at six o'clock in the morning every morning right was... so you would be getting out at like 10 30 11 if you had guests you had to stay and talk to your guests you're a better person than i am when i'm at rockwell i'm usually like oh sorry <laughs> see you later <laughs> thanks for coming and it's not because i'm being a jerk it's be- it's mostly be- it's a vocal thing it's more that you know rockwell's a crowded bar and if I'm going to scream over people for another hour after the show, then I got nothing left. So I have to be very good about being like, well, good night. But you would stay after shows. And like if your family was there, if your friends were there, you'd say hi to them. You'd, you know, you'd thank them for coming. And then you'd come home. And I don't, I feel like some people don't really understand this. But after you come home from a show... Nine times out of ten, you're pretty wired from doing your show. So hyped. Yeah, because you got to keep your energy up. Your adrenaline is just going. I c- couldn't possibly fall asleep immediately after a show. Yeah, and then you're hungry, so the, you eat. Especially me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's another, what, hour after you come home? Yeah. That you're, like, winding down, eating, like, trying to just, like, you know. Do you remember the nights that I tried to go to sleep without taking a shower after Boy, do nest? I, Mick. <laughs> there have been a few of those nights there were a few of those nights i mean and you man because i had so little time and i thought well i'll just save time by not showering and i'd get in the bed i sweat rather profusely during cuckoo's nest every show and they had to turn off the air during cuckoo's nest and this show happened in the summer in the valley of los angeles so it was really hot and they'd turn off the air conditioning during the show because it was so loud. So about halfway through Act 1, we're all like, we're sweating our butts off. That's in the audience. That's in the audience. And you're doing the show. Running? My hair was longer than it is now. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was but, you know, every time we talk about theater, we kind of talk about Cuckoo's Nest. Since then, I mean, Into the Woods was a pretty good experience, but... I haven't done anything iconic that I was super in love with since then in theater. Yeah. So do actors get to a point where they're a few years removed from the coolest thing they've ever done? They start to get a little bit down on themselves. and Is that when they start thinking about quitting? What do you think leads people? Because it's, it's common. I mean, you know, it's a dream. A lot of people dream of... Being a pro athlete, 
when they're young. That one's a little more black and white. Like, if you didn't play in college, you're not going to make it in the pros, right? Right. But acting doesn't necessarily have that same kind of a yeah, prerequisite. There's, there's no um, there's no roadmap for it. You could be ensemble member number four uh-huh. for 15 years, and then out of nowhere... Be Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> sure, if that's what you want to use. <laughs> then yeah, then Chris well, Pratt. Who were you going to say? I was just going to say the lead in a show, but okay. let's get specific and say Chris Pratt. Damn. But yeah, there's no roadmap. So you're wondering, are you holding on to something that's not going to happen? Or if you decide to quit, are you quitting right before you would have had your, you know, quote, big break? And honestly, I think part of what keeps me going when I feel like quitting is remembering that True was supposed to be my last one ever. And it's the job that came through for me. And also what keeps me going is remembering that I had this like year and a half long drought when I was like 19 or something like that. And then I got Aladdin at the Pasadena Playhouse. I did the panto. And it was so, that show was so good for my soul. It was a theater show that was like just so amazing for just my soul and well-being. Because it reminded me how much I love my job. And right after that, I got Lab Rats, The Fosters, and a Tina Fey pilot. That's right. All in a row. After literally a whole like year and a half, two years of nothing. Mm-hmm. I would go on auditions. I would get callbacks. I'd get close. And then crickets. And I think it was terrible to have to go through. But because I went through both of those scenarios, yes, I think about quitting all the time now. But every time I think of quitting, I'm like, well, both of the times I've almost quit before, both of, both of the times I've felt helpless before, something really amazing happened. So you kind of, for me at least, I think of it now as more like a calm before the storm kind of thing. I've used that with you before. I've said, you know... If it's quiet here, if I'm not auditioning very much, I'm like, well, savor this moment, enjoy the rest, it's the calm before the storm, and then something like really great's gonna happen. And it usually does. But that is that comes from like ex- an experience that's, you know, for people who haven't had that experience, it's hard. You don't know. Do you quit? Do you just say, All right, screw it, I'm done. I'm gonna go start a family or whatever David Mamet says is a bad thing. Or your commercial agent, sorry. Both of them. Both of them. Or do you keep going? Is that the closest you've ever come to quitting was when you were 19 and in that break? Or what is the closest you've ever come? Interesting. I think when I was 15 and the True Jackson thing happened, when we thought that was my last audition, that definitely wasn't my choice. That was more my mom's than anything. She said to you, this is your last one. Right? Yes. Because what, she was fed up? or Yeah, she was just fed up with all the negativity. I had auditioned for a Disney Channel original movie. Probably earlier that year or something like that. Uh, just Or just a few months before. And I came really, really, really close. And I didn't get it. And I was devastated. I really thought I had a good shot at it. And I was devastated that I didn't get it. And then the True Jackson audition came along and my mom just out of nowhere was like, I'm done. I don't want to see you do this anymore. So that one wasn't really my choice. I think when I was 19 or, you know, whenever that that drought was before I did Fosters and Lab Rats, that was probably one of the closest times I've come to quitting because there was so much pressure on me. And also I had 
my music at that point. So I was like, all right, well, acting's not working for me anymore. So maybe I'll just be a singer for the rest of my life. And I'll just do that. But then acting came through for me again. I think truly the closest time I've ever come to quitting is last year. When I was told really? that I wasn't, yeah. When I was told that I wasn't good enough to originate a role that I'd been doing for years. I think that's the closest I wanted to quit. But because I was doing Spitfire Grill, I almost couldn't let that thought in. I almost couldn't like entertain that thought because I was like, well, I'm signed on to do this project. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this with my life anymore. But I don't really have a choice because I signed a contract and I got to be here. But that show changed my mind because I loved doing that show. And it reminded me what I love about my job so much. So I got really lucky because I don't, I don't know what would have happened if I would have gotten the news that I wasn't going on with my show and then didn't have Spitfire because then I just would have been sitting at home just sulking, mm. just bathing in, in depression. It would have been so sad, you know. You stayed strong during that time. Thank you. Did you not think that was one of the times I came close to quitting? I didn't know you were close to quitting. Because I don't think at any point you said that out loud. I didn't. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty close to quitting. I knew you were really frustrated. Yeah. And there were some days you were just, I don't know, disappointed, upset. It was that and it was also that I didn't think I was very good anymore. Yeah, you said that a few times. Yeah. Which I thought was ridiculous. But, you know, it's hard when you don't get feedback that helps. Uh, yeah. There was a song that we did in Spitfire Grill called Colors of Paradise. Mm -hmm. And after I got the news that I wasn't going on with that other show, it was like I lost my voice. Like, literally lost my voice. Because I couldn't sing the way I wanted to. Because, like, every time I tried to sing, it, like, took my breath away. And I could not sing properly. It drove me up a wall. And there's a song called Colors of Paradise in Spitfire Grill that is so high... <laughs> and I'm all over, I'm like way down low and way up high. <laughs> it goes everywhere. And I remember singing that song a few times in rehearsal. And I had this like, I had the way I wanted it to sound in my head and not being able to sing it the way I wanted to because I just wasn't feeling good enough was so frustrating for me. And I'd come home from rehearsal and be like, I don't know why I'm doing, like, I shouldn't be doing this. I can't be doing this show. But I signed a contract. I made a commitment. Well, I'm so glad you did that show. Me too. Yeah. It really changed a lot for me. Yeah. It gave me my confidence back doing that show. It was really, really good. But I think that's the closest I've come to quitting, for sure. It was really tough to hear that something that you poured your heart and soul in for five years was not going to happen anymore. What's the closest you've come to quitting? I don't know, but... The first moment that comes to mind when you ask me that question is when I got a phone call from my manager. They signed me out of Senior Showcase. Mm -hmm. As I've said on this show, I was pretty disappointed in the turnout for Senior Showcase at USC. Out of my class, I got the most meetings, and they just weren't with high-quality agents or managers. And I understand now that that's because none of us had any credits, Whatever. They were my manager. I was never that hot on them. 
they were just kind of full. I was able to sign with that at Senior Showcase. They were the best of what I thought was kind of a disappointing class. So I'm at Equinox. I believe I was ramping at the time, you know, wearing the blue shirt, picking up the weights, and I was on a shift. So not even making good money there yet, but making some money to keep myself afloat. And I was taking up quite a bit of my time. But I get the call. I'm in the break room. I get a call from my manager. So I leave the break room. I like go into the employee bathroom to take this private phone call, hoping, you know, you have an audition or something good. Mm-hmm. And he calls me and he lets me know that they have to drop me from their roster. No. Because they were cutting way down on how many clients they were going to carry. And I just felt like, you guys suck. <laughs> yeah. And you're dropping me. I wanted to drop you. Right. And get a better manager. So that was one of several demoralizing moments that I've had in my career. Yeah. But in that particular one, because I was at Equinox in the blue shirt, it really made me think of this first quote mm-hmm. from Mamet. Mm-hmm. Those with, quote, something to fall back on, invariably fall back on it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they ended up going out of business like a year and a half later. <laughs> so they quit before I did. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Good. I think that's the closest. I'm actually very excited. I don't feel like taking a step back from theater is in any way quitting Mm-mm. as much of a reallocating because I do feel like my theater resume is disproportionate to my film and TV resume. And I've always said I'm pursuing film and TV, but I haven't really been. Yeah. I've been doing more theater. I always said if I wanted to pursue theater, I would be in New York. Yep. But I'm not. I've been kind of doing more theater, but in L.A. So this just feels like a clarification for me. Yeah. And I won't never do theater again. I just want to take a break until I've done some film and TV and kind of tip the scales to a level that I feel is more appropriately balanced. Want to hear that third quote? I do. It looks long. Oh, boy. I'm going to go take a bathroom break. Get ready for this. All right, go ahead. Quote, if you decide to be an actor, stick to your decision. The folks you meet in supposed positions of authority, critics, teachers, casting directors, will, in the main, be your intellectual and moral inferiors. They will lack your imagination, which is why they became bureaucrats rather than artists. And they will lack your fortitude, have elected institutional support over a life of self-reliance. They will spend lives learning lessons very different from the ones you learn. And many or most of them will envy you, and this envy will express itself as contempt. It's a cheap trick of unhappy people, and if you understand it for what it is, you need not adopt or be overly saddened by their view of you. It is the view of the folks on the veranda talking about the lazy slaves. What? Similar reaction to quote number two. Yeah, this is David Mamet. What is happening? You like his plays. Well, you liked Speed the Plow when I read you that. We read that together. But this is what he thinks. I love when you read me that as if like you read that as a bedtime story to me. (laughs) Sweet little Ashley. (laughs) Once upon a time. (laughs) There was a man named David Mamet. 
Wow. Inferiors, huh? Critics, teachers, casting directors will be in the main. Your intellectual and moral inferiors. Don't agree. Tell me everything. I think my acting teacher is my intellectual and moral superior. Hmm. Is your acting teacher someone who started out wanting to be an actor themselves? Yeah, she acted forever, but she's also still an actress. Okay. And she's really successful. She's really incredible in voiceover. She's, I mean, she's done so many things. I don't think she's my inferior at all. I go to her for guidance. I think she's my superior. She coached me for True Jackson. She's coached me for almost every job I've done. Every job I've booked, honestly. So do you think the old quote, those who can't do teach, is not true? I teach. You do teach. You just taught tonight. I literally just taught tonight. I'm teaching again on Sunday. Like, (laughs) I mean, my little sister is a teacher. She says the best way to know that you really understand a concept is to be able to articulate it and teach it to somebody else. Yeah. Because I teach, it helps me so much. Of course, yeah. And I'm not only teaching. I'm teaching little kids. So all these concepts that I'm talking about, I have to, like, make sure they make sense to, you know, six to 15-year-olds, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. Mm-hmm. I don't think that makes you inferior to actors at all. So his three quotes you all feel are false. I think so. Okay. Well, how do you feel? You know, I don't know. I'd like to agree. The something to fall back on when, when I read it, felt like he was talking directly to me because I have a significant side hustle job. Yeah. That's really more than a side hustle. It's a second career. It took me a while to be okay with that and say, not everybody fills out their pie chart in the same way you do. You know? David Mamet. I mean, Ken Jong was a doctor. I mean, yes. He didn't Great example. run headfirst into acting. He was a freaking doctor. I mean, there are so many people who had side hustles, who had other jobs, who just had backup plans. John Hamm was a teacher. Pau Gasol studied to be a doctor, for God's sake, and he ended up being a basketball player, again with the sports. I apologize, everybody. John Hamm was a teacher? I didn't know that. He was Ellie Kemper's teacher. Wow. I gotta read True and False. I feel like it's just gonna make me very angry. You're so mad. <laughs> so upset thank you for indulging me you're welcome listen this is gonna be a bit of a shorter episode but do we have any career updates to or any updates at all that we want to share nope cool fantastic (laughs) excellent very good guys mick has started watching the entire season of True Jackson VP. Yep. Do you like it? Love it. It's been a very crazy trip down memory lane for me. It's been pretty cool. Okay, cool. Good. I've liked watching them. There are, truly, there are episodes I totally forgot about. Like, there are episodes that I, I very much remember. And then there have been a couple. We just watched the one with the big dog. 
True Takes Iceland. Yeah, yeah that one I remember because that was the yeah, that was the first one that we <laughs> shot after the pilot. So I remember that one. But there were a couple we were watching last night. Like the opening would come up, and I'd be like, "What episode is this? What did we do?" Banger of a theme song. Thank you. Isn't it a great theme song? It's fantastic. She really did such a good job. Kiki nailed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a full version of it. I'll play it for you one day. Well, I'm glad we just sort of arbitrarily started talking about True Jackson VP, but simultaneously, we have no career updates to discuss right now. It's completely unrelated. That just happened to be what it is, but pure coincidence. (laughs) Pure. Nothing else to say about that. Not one thing. So we'll leave it at that, and uh, (laughs) we'll keep it short tonight. In one word or so. quitting is I could see it happening in your face I'm gonna I'm gonna do this as it pertains to me quitting is not an option very good I've been thinking a lot about how I quit sports lately why I don't know because like I'm reaching the age now where it's really truly impossible for me to go back and pursue a professional sports career Mm -hmm. like I just won't be a pro athlete Right. Which I've known for about a decade now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But now it's like, I I wouldn't be a desirable draft asset in any sport. How old was Andre Ingram when he took the court? (sighs) Look, I don't know, but (laughs) I don't know. Gray Mamba. I appreciate that that reference, but I don't, that's truly in the rearview mirror. Right. Listen, Andre Ingham is 34 years old. He's only 34 right now. Mm-hmm. He can still play. He can still play. Let's get him back on the court. Never say never, Mick Torres. I mean, I'm not 34. Not no. But I'm also not as good at basketball as Andre Ingram. You could be. I'm no, kidding. No, I cannot. Yes, you can. No, I can't. All right, that's fair. <laughs> so quitting is? Quitting is what you make of it. Because eventually we'll both, I mean, retirement is going to mean something different when we reach the age of social security and conventional mm-hmm. retirement mm-hmm. right now. Our, it's going to be very different for our generation. Yeah. Also, I expect now to have multiple different ways of making my life work and different sources of income. And I don't know, I'm sort of wide open about how my life is going to look because our generation, it's very, very rare that people in our generation are going to be with one company and be like a company man, you know, like people used to be. What was that? A company man. (laughs) It just doesn't happen anymore. Right. So, you know, I've sort of announced this theater hiatus in this episode. It doesn't feel like quitting to me. It's No. It is totally. what you make it. You know, I've got friends who have taken a break for a year to travel around the world and things like that. That's not quitting. I mean, yeah. It's resetting yourself so that you can do it again. I mean, right now, there's not that much that we can be doing. We're sort nope. of resetting and going with the flow of what the world is right now and just mm-hmm. making... The most of it. Love you very much. I love you very much. I see you every single day. Yeah, so I'll see you right now. I'll see you 
right here, right now. <laughs> I'm going nowhere. Good night. Good night. <laughs>